Good morning and welcome to <laughs> the original Loretta Brown show. And we are starting off with some dancing because we should, because we made it to October. Oh, Benny, we're sliding down. We're count. We're on the countdown. On the countdown. It feels amazing countdown. right now. It does. Amazing. It does. It is amazing. Foggy, foggy morning here in Seattle. And uh, this is radio to open the heart, heal the soul, and awaken the consciousness. How you doing, Benny? How's life? I'm doing okay. Kind of uh, cleaning up after the last couple days of uh, <clears throat> debate. Uh, you know, not everyone's <laughs> too excited about that, but it does happen. Uh, the internet's going wild over all of it, and I know the memes are going crazy. Obviously, it was a bunch of kids, I think, debating uh, whether they wanted to be in and out of the you know playground or the you know, sand pit or whatever. This is, I don't know if you guys can see it. Uh, I'm going to try to pull it up. Uh, that kinda, was one of my favorite. It was like, there we go. Can we do that? There we go. Yeah. It's like two versions of oh, the I kids debating together. I don't know. It's all yeah, over. Their but... faces look like kids. Yeah, yeah. That was probably the, the best one I've seen so far. So if you haven't. Yeah. Had a chance, it was it uh, a fight over cookies. Yeah. But, right. It was just a fight over. Cooking. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, hands off to the moderator, you know, uh, Mr. Wallace. And I mean, he tried, he did his best, but there needs to be something from this, obviously, to the next level. You know, they shouldn't. I mean, they, there needs to be some a few changes done and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, somebody uh, actually posted on Facebook. I should have made a copy of it, of, of the tools that the moderator needs for the next of debate and it was things like a spray bottle <laughs> like like you're telling a cat to get down a, a shock a shock collar yeah. yes <laughs> right so um anyway we we uh yeah. i look at this as like well you know it's just more of 2020 there you go the yep, just pile it on top pile it's it on top piling <laughs> it, it on um you know, I keep telling people we're going through a time of evolution mm. and it's an evolution of consciousness. There you go. And, um, you know, irregardless of, of your uh, political beliefs out there, um, remember that this is what I call it's a bit of a higher game because mm -hmm. we're being asked to participate in uh, uh, creating the ending. Yep. And we, we need to be we're being called forth is what what's going on. So, yes. <laughs> Yeah. As a mom, you know, I was I'm still scratching my head about that whole thing. Like, <laughs> man, they're just fighting over cookies. What yeah. is happening here? So, Everyone's gonna get some. Everyone's gonna get some. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. It's gonna be okay. And by the way, all my guides and angels say we are gonna get through this and we will come out the other side. And just like all all transformational things, <laughs> we are not the same coming out of this. <laughs> as we were going in yeah. and doesn't march seem like a long time ago um you know i was talking to someone the other day i i took a a, a trip to egypt i take uh, tour groups over there like i took a small sacred group at the end of february and then everybody went, came back home and i went and <laughs> climbed mount sinai <laughs> to do prayers and visions for the world because that's the type of girl i am and um, had a massive vision about what was coming up in 2020. And that was just before we had all the COVID close downs and all that stuff. And the vision didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I couldn't quite figure it out. And then I came home two days before they closed international flights. And then we shut down here in Seattle and have been basically shut down since then. And I'm just kind of thinking back to that. That seems like so long ago, we've been through so much. So, um, 
Yeah, hang but, in there, everybody. Yeah. Hang in there. Keep yeah. staying strong. Stay strong and keep breathing. Don't forget to breathe. Yeah, my my guest today is going to, yeah, it's important. My guest today is going to have some really, really uh, good things to talk about. And I'm going to, in a moment, I'll introduce her. I've got to do a little more check-ins before I do that. But I really want you to listen to the show today because as we're going through this tumultuous stuff, our, our shadows are coming up and our stuff is up and it's a perfect time to <laughs> clean it up, <laughs> work on yourself and, and shift your perspective. So anyway, um, thanks for all those comments, Benny. It's always good to have your input. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Give my love to the twins. Always do. Yeah, always do. Always do. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so I'm Loretta Brown. I'm the owner of Reiki Oasis. This is our 26th year in business. I'm still out there. I'm doing most of my stuff through Zoom and remote, remote because of the um, uh, social distancing restrictions here in King County. Uh, but I am out there. And please contact me for anything that you would like to have go on. I'm actually doing a Reiki One class this Saturday. And... Um, Due to size limitation of my space, I'm only teaching four people so that we can um, follow our proper social distancing uh, required by um, the state. Um, I uh, also am scheduling another Reiki One class if I have too many people that would still like to do it. Uh, like I said, I've only got four in the class. And then if you're thinking about like a career change or something that you need to do, uh, and your heart is tugging and you think that Reiki might be a path for you, um, I've got it set up to take you all the way through the Ras Reiki Master Teacher training by the end of December so you could actually set up your own business. And I actually am very active in helping my students figure out how to start their own business, uh, especially because mine has been so successful, like I said, for 26 years. I'm kind of old school and um, would love to be able to help you with that. So if that resonates with you, please contact me at reikioasis at gmail.com. You can find me on Facebook and, and I'm all over the place and don't be shy to reach out. I also am doing Sunday meditations with Loretta every Sunday at 11 a.m. I just host a meditation and you can jump on. It is a Zoom call and um, it's just designed to give you that little spiritual oasis where you can step in and bathe in the energy and be held and supported and just huh, let it go and also perhaps connect with your higher guidance which is always a good idea to help you through these times so you can sign up for everything at schedule.reikioasis.com and that meditation is by donation of zero dollars to 22 dollars if you are in financial straits and you need to come, please come. And then if you wanna pay a little something, remember that that also helps um, cover the costs of, of what I'm doing and um, makes it possible for other people to get on there. So it's kind of a community thing. So I appreciate that. Also one uh, little word of gratitude to my patrons. We are a listener supported show. Airtime is not uh, completely free. This is not a, a blog talk show. It's actually through the radio station here in uh, Seattle, uh, Hubbard Radio. And so if you want to be part of that community, you go to patreon.com slash the Loretta Brown Show and everything that is uh, offered there is greatly appreciated. So thank you. you. You do receive a blessing back. 
And part of that is that you get great people on the show. Woohoo! That's how that works. Very quick check-in. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. Happy, welcome, October. And October is a month of challenges. We've got a lot going on in the skies, and I'm not going to give an extensive report today. It's a month of completion and new beginnings. We just closed a portal and the energies of the next two weeks. In fact, some of you have already felt it. We've had a couple of things move and it is inspiring us to prepare for what's coming next. The best analogy I could give you of October is that when you're on a journey, like in an airline and you're getting ready to land, you all, all of a sudden they go, okay, fasten your seat belts and put the trays in the upright position and prepare for landing, right? And that's what October is about. It is preparing you for the destination that we are going to be arriving at. And what is that destination? It is a higher consciousness destination. It is happening in the next couple of months where we're going to feel like we have landed and now um, if I could say the worst has happened, I don't know if that's the right language, but a lot of my p clients are talking to me going, Loretta, I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall, right? And um, that can be anxiety. It can be a lot of things going on, but we really are at a point already to where if you are here with uh, a, as a light worker or a creator of some kind, you're being called to bring your gifts to the world. We want them. <laughs> we like you. We like what you do. <laughs> and and we, we want to help you in every way possible to remove all those blockages that might be keeping you from being your most radiant, joyful self and contributing to the planet. We are starting the month of October off with a bang. We've got a massive, super full moon in Aries. And this is such a big um, energy um, because Aries is ruled by Mars. Mars is currently in the sign of Aries. It's in its domicile. It's it's happy. It's all running around all fiery, right? That's Mars for you, the planet of war and energy, right? And uh, Mars is uh, retrograde and anytime we are in Aries. So when we have retrograde energies it's making us go through the stuff it's making us look at our shadow it's making us look at our anger it's making us look at that stuff that we stored in rooms deep down in and it's saying guess what i'm gonna kick the doors open and now you get to revisit it and that's what that's about so don't be afraid of any retrograde planets we've got mercury going retrograde on the 13th so we'll have a bit more of that looking back and and having another opportunity to get it all cleaned up and then um october also ends on a bang begins on a bang and ends on a bang and that is a second full moon on the 31st we don't often have a full moon on october 31st and of course it's 2020 so we have a full moon on october 31st just to amplify it and it's called a blue moon it's the second full moon uh given in any month so just be aware that um we also have a little bit mars is conjunct with eris the goddess of discord and strife on october 3rd and she is a pioneer for standing up for her rights and claiming back her power 
So both Mars and Eris are volatile right now. So be really mindful about lashing out or doing something you may regret later on. Um, I talk to people about this all the time. Like people will say, well, I'm finding my voice. And then they find their voice and they feel like they have to blast everybody with quote unquote their truth. And um, I don't know, I just kind of look at that as, as possibly an over compensation. I didn't have a voice. Now my voice is too loud. And just like that pendulum that swings, you know, we'll, we'll find the center of it. But I'm just giving you a cautionary warning because the energies are super volatile. This is a great time for us to practice mindfulness and centeredness and to remind ourselves of who we really are, which is beings of light and uh, compassion and caring and perhaps strength and bravery and courage. Yeah, we, we might need these things. Uh, but be aware that anger begets more anger and violence begets more violence. And I'm talking about energy and I'm talking about what you send out comes back and anything that you send out actually contributes to something. And that's a, a big, long conversation. So do what you can, my, my dear listeners, to be the holder of light. It's always my call to you. And the grounding point for the new epoch that we're entering into. I feel so hopeful and excited about the future. Our hearts are opening and we are becoming what we came to be. So, yeah. It's a birth and we're in it. So that's a great uh, segue. I'm, I'm so excited to have my guest today. Her name is Bridget Dengel Gaspard. She's a licensed social worker, the founder of the New York Voice Dialogue Institute and the author of The Final Eighth, Enlist Your Inner Selves to Accomplish Your Goals. I can't wait to talk about her book. Bridget graduated with a Master of Social Work from Columbia University, acquiring clinical experience in dialectical behavioral therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. She's led workshops for Omega Institute, New York Open Center. She is or used to be a former performer and comic, so I'd love to have that going on, and specializes in overcoming creativity blocks Welcome to the show, Bridget. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. Thanks for You're so welcome. And I understand you're out there in Brooklyn. Yes. So hopefully it won't be too noisy every once in a while. <laughs> so let me know. I will. I'll definitely let you know. And um, if you could get just a little louder or closer to your microphone, that sure. might be nice. Yeah, or adjust your volume there. Adjust your volume, yeah. yeah. We want to make sure we hear you very, very well. How's this? A little better. More, do you want more better? Yes, more please. That'd be great. Sorry, folks, we're having a little technical thing here. We're working through. Is, is this okay? Yeah. I'll bring you up. Better. Into, yeah. Or maybe Loretta bring you down and I can bring all of you up together. That might work. Let too. me bring you want to bring me down. It's a combination of things, you know, the world today, what we're working with. Okay, let me bring my microphone down a little bit. Am I down? Yeah, there we go. And then okay. Bridget? Am I am I up? <laughs> Better. Okay, mm -hmm. my opposite's right here. Okay. Okay. Is my microphone is my volume good? Yeah, we should be better now. Okay. All right. You'll let us know. Yeah, do let us know if, if we're not loud enough. 
Yeah. Okay. So yeah, thanks for your patience, everybody, because Bridget's got a lot of good stuff to say, and I want to be sure to hear every word coming out of her mouth. <laughs> um, I'm just so curious, how did you go from being a performer and a comic into doing this amazing work with voice dialogue? So I was in New York City, where I am now, and pursuing acting and stand-up, and always looking for creativity tools. Also on healing myself. So I read this book, Healing the Shame That Binds You by John Bradshaw. I'm sure you know it. It's classic. It's wonderful. And in the back of his book, he spent many pages talking about different types of modalities that were off the beaten path, so to speak. And it described voice dialogue and my whole body was electrified, just reading about it. And I chased down the doctors, Hal and Sidra Stone, who developed it which meant I got their 800 number. <laughs> so they became my mentors and I started to really get serious about voice dialogue, which is, as you know, which we'll talk about, you too know voice dialogue. You, you talk to different parts of yourself and you move over and you get their point of view. So if you talk to your quiet self, you never ask that quiet self to get louder, nor would you do the same if you talk to your loud self. And but in the middle, like you were saying earlier, you can manage it so you don't have the pendulum swing that it's only loud or it's only soft. And so voice dialogue is so empowering. And I loved it as a performer because I could get into energies of different parts. So if a play called for a librarian, then I might bring a more constrained aspects of myself. But if a if let's say in the path of that play, that librarian, I'm doing the cliche, turns into the sexy mama who knows more than book learning, then you need to shift to other energies. And if you personally don't have a good relationship, say with your sensual selves, then it's gonna be hard for you to play that role. And so as I got more into it, I watched how extraordinarily fast and full the healing was as I got more into the training of voice dialogue so that getting in touch with these different energies was and still is an amazing creativity tool that you literally can use like a paintbrush or I'll take the thick brush or I'll take the thin brush but the healing is what made me go I want to get more into bringing that message out to the world and that's why I went and got my master's in social work because when people have access to their different parts then they understand viscerally they're more than they think they are and then like you were saying earlier you have the wherewithal to be that bigger participant in the global change that's happening now and it's exciting you know you said so many things there you answered about six of my questions and um i love it no because that means that we're in sync and um and and our energies are are reflective um I, I think that you coming from, I'm going to say acting, right, where you're right, you have to figure out how to take on a, but, um, you know, to be able to make that shift and then really bring that into deep healing work. Um, this idea, and and yes, I'm going to say this, I ran into the work of, of, of um, Hal and Sidra Stone years ago, and I'm just showing people some of the books, right? And um, I was fascinated with this work and I did not pursue it to the extent that I should. But when I read it, I so resonated with it. And by the way, I want to show people your book. 
because this is I love what you have done with this work and and brought it into uh, this is her book I'm showing to the YouTubers and you people on the air I apologize that you don't have visual but um, this book is called the final eighth the final eighth we'll talk about the title in a minute but this idea that we are multifaceted and that we have um, you know like a primary self right you know we have inner selves, we have parts of ourself that could be blocking your way or might not be on board with your agenda, right? Like a part of you is like, yeah, I really want to do this thing. And then this other part's like, no, I'm going to eat Cheetos and watch Netflix, right? <laughs> I don't know why I said, <laughs> I've been eating Cheetos in years. I'm like, where'd that come from? <laughs> That's an inner self planting an idea. You know, you know, <laughs> That's my in, that. in, inner Cheeto eating Loretta. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your intellectual is saying, well, they have very good content now. You could even rationalize it. <laughs> <laughs> so realizing, I, I guess this might be a broad question, but realizing that we are composed of many parts of ourself, inner selves, what would you call that? And how does that help us to know that? It's based on a healthy personality, which I think okay. is important to reiterate. This is healthy and normal that we think of ourselves in different parts. And I love to say the perfect example is our relationship with the alarm clock when it goes off at 5.30 in the morning and you are sound asleep. It's natural <clears throat> how many cells respond. You know, the responsible one says, let's get up. The uh, lazy one says, you know, we can get up, but only if we call in and play hooky in some way. So we, so that's just natural. The part that just is tired and is a body part. And it's like, I, I don't want to get up. My body hurts. So once we realize that we have all these competing agendas, that makes us directly aware of them. And in fact, because we become conscious, then we can actually make better choices. It's a bit of a paradox. Like, wait, the more I realize I actually want 17 different things in this moment, then won't that make it more chaotic? It actually doesn't because you're not fighting yourself. You're like, all right, it's true. And what's the best decision for right now? And I love how voice dialogue, which I've made in the book, that's something that readers can use themselves, just step-by-step -step guide, but it takes reality also on reality terms. So if you really do have to go to a job, well then, which cells are you going to bring to that job? It doesn't mean you get in touch with these cells and you destroy the life that you've created. It's how do you get more out of the life? And then ultimately, maybe you shift it. And I just love your image of this pendulum because that's where the chaos happens. But having voice dialogue, you don't need to shift it either or or. It's a natural way to say, oh, I feel the pendulum shift within now I can make a choice. And I love what you said. It's true that people who haven't had a voice, when they find they have a voice, they get too loud. And on some level, create a nightmare for themselves that then they get rejected, which was their original fear anyway. And then they get afraid of their voice again. And it just, it's so empowering. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am giggling because that was actually me. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I saw the giggle. <laughs> yeah, and uh, going through that own that that journey of when you find your voice, now what do you do with it? 
Right. Yeah. So a, a lot of uh, things come from that. This idea, though, and I, I want to ask this question, uh, because for me, um, these inner selves have different energies. Can you talk about that a little bit? I, I, yes, and I love, I, we, I assumed we were going there because you're Reiki. So, mm -hmm. and so many body workers love voice dialogue because as we know, what is conversation and communication? Something like 7% of it is words, but we get seduced to think it's all about the words and the language we use. And so voice dialogue, when you go to a different self, where does it live in your body? Where does it live energetically and physiologically? And, and also that's another way to separate so that you can say, wow, that's a really staccato, angry part of myself. And so I, it's a way also to separate from the message. So that angry self may have very important, very accurate things to say, but it doesn't have to flood you when you get a sense of like, oh, I feel that staccato energy coming in. Let me make a decision if maybe I should uh, recuse myself to the bathroom for five minutes, splash some water in my face so I can make a better decision for the long term. And so all of ourselves live in our body. And, and with voice dialogue, you can go out as far as you want. You could literally go visit a stomach ache. And so it may not even be language. So that stomach ache just becomes the stomach ache. And then when you come back to center, which we always do, because you want to become a conductor in this wonderful orchestra that you realize that you are. So again, it's about empowerment. And then you find out what that stomach ache means to you. And there's always wisdom in every part, period, because they all have the noble purpose of protection. Their method might be outdated and even dysfunctional, and that has to go. But their care and their alert for and love for you, that is across the board. I love what you said. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a station break right now, but b before we go, um, I just want to say this, you, you made a comment just now that they are all trying to, I think, protect us. And uh, I want to pick up right there when we come back from the station break, because the question to uh, start back in with is, where do these inner selves come from? When do they develop? And yes, are they all beneficial to us? Um, what is their function? Right. And so uh, we're going to take a station break. This is Loretta Brown. My guest today, Bridget Dengel Gaspard, her amazing book, The Final Eighth, Enlist Your Inner Selves to Accomplish Your Goals. Please don't go away because when we come back, we are really going to get into voice dialogue. What is it really about and, and uh, give you more information. Did you know that Reiki healing can be done at a distance? It's true. So let Reiki Oasis focus powerful energy to help relieve your stress, grief, sadness, anger, and so much more. Convenient, personalized treatments at a distance can increase lightness of being. During your appointment, find a quiet place to lie down or sit to receive healing energies. If you want help with your dis-ease, visit ReikiOasis.com. Harness life's energy. Visit ReikiOasis.com today. Five things you need to know about measles in 30 seconds. The vaccine was developed in 1963, and measles became rare in the U.S. But low vaccination rates are now causing outbreaks that may put you at risk. 
Measles is highly contagious and spreads easily when an infected person breathes or coughs. Measles can have serious complications and can be deadly. It's also easy to prevent with a vaccine that's safe and effective. Please make sure you and your loved ones are vaccinated. Learn more at nfid.org slash measles. Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now... We're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. (laughs) Thanks, Benny. This is Loretta Brown. Welcome back to the original Loretta Brown Show where I hope we our energy lifts you up. We're doing lots of dance breaks today because (laughs) it's foggy in Seattle and and after the week we've had, I think we need to do it, right? I think mm-hmm. we need to eat cookies and dance. That's what we need to but do. But we're not supposed to argue over the cookies. Everyone gets their share, no. okay? There is no and if arguing. And if you have less or more, then you should share. Because <laughs> sharing is caring, right? <laughs> I used to uh, <laughs> teach music in uh, Saudi Arabia for nine years. I was a music teacher over there. It was one of my previous lives in this lifetime. And I remember saying things like, no, we don't poke them in the eye. We don't like how they're singing. (laughs) (laughs) Not what we do now, right? So uh, those rules apply to all of us. And I guess we all have an inner child, huh, Bridget? I think we have a few, frankly. I think we have a few. And that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about Bridget Dingle Gaspard's new book, The Final Eight. And we're talking about voice dialogue. Now, before the break, we uh, you made a mention about these inner selves and how they're all trying to, I think you said, protect us. Can you talk a little bit more about what are these inner selves? Where do they come from? When do they develop? What is their purpose? And so forth. So it starts with being an infant and you're born in the household that you're born in and you have the temperament and the natural proclivities that you, whatever it is that you do. And almost immediately, and again, all of this is normal and wonderful attachment, you aim as the infant to fit into your household. So pre-verbally, you start to understand what is enjoyed and what is not enjoyed. So when, if you start cooing and mom just melts, um, then you're going to default to that more often than not. And there's nothing wrong with it. So, but those would be the seeds for your good girl self, for the one that looks out to see how everyone else is doing so that you can help be calming. Or also this is where rules about gender, maybe sibling place, socioeconomic status, all of these messages have us develop our inner selves according to our first early community and then it spreads out from there so maybe there's a rule like boys should be tougher and so if that boy cries he will be admonished a little bit so he learns to disown those parts those become the hidden parts but maybe the girl it's a hug when she cries so it's okay for girls to know about their emotions and use them and these are just tucked away these messages and so those cells that are reinforced are primary and then the other ones are hidden. They never go away. The energy that has to be squashed uh, goes somewhere, whether or not you're conscious about it. And you brought a great example up when you talked about the B 
being a piano teacher. We need to and want to socialize our kids. It isn't okay to poke anybody in the eye with anything. And so all of this is like, we need to squelch some of ourselves. That doesn't mean completely uh, hurt yourself, but yes, you need to figure out how to get toilet trained and schools are okay to have that rule that until you're toilet trained, you can't do X or that kind of thing that you learn to say please and thank you. So all of this naturally happens in socialization and then, but what, but then you begin to only think you're those primary parts and that's where the problem begins. So if you're like nice and responsible and um, a good girl, maybe you can tell where some of my primary selves started, then you don't speak up when something doesn't make you happy or that kind of thing. And so that's why getting to know your inner selves, which are all about protection, no matter what, they're about protecting you so that you stay a part of your environment, that, you're, that you don't get abandoned. And that's why some of these early selves are so intense. They were formed pre-verbally and they have the noble purpose of like, you must not be rejected. And often when people fight their inner critic, because that's a very early one, the inner yeah. critic, is just this uncanny self that picks up all the rules and its job is to make you perfect so that you're 100% lovable. So A, you can never do it. It is set up for the Sisyphean task. So that leads to anxiety and depression for some people because somewhere in there you're like, I'm being set up. But still, it's to protect you. And then again, the direct relationship, you can say, thank you so much for trying to protect me. I understand now that there's other ways than total acquiescence or getting A's in school is the only way to get approval or whatever those early rules for approval were. There's more to life than that. And it's freeing. I'm, I'm thinking when you're talking about the primary self, right? Or, uh, and also the aware ego, right? And um, can you speak a little bit because I'm really hearing you say there are inner selves that can be, I don't know if detrimental is the right way, or their, their efforts to protect us will shut us down or keep us from stepping forward, um, You know, which, which by the way, probably plays into the title of your book, which we'll get to in just a second. But we also may have inner selves that are supporting us in ways such as, um, I'm gonna put it this way, my daughter used to say to me, um, mommy, could you not wear your professional face at home? Oh, yeah, I very, love that. Yeah, very insightful, right? So oh. I, I have this inner self that will step forward and be the performer or the speaker, and then I can be mommy. That's right. a beautiful example and exactly right. And again, what your daughter it's natural. She saw it and she felt it. And it's an energetic connection. And we would call that impersonal energy, which is great in a profession. You need to be able to do your duties. And it doesn't mean you're not linked or you don't care, but I'm doing it now. I'm more, I, it shifts the voice. And I even talk about that in the book. You, yes. you, if you're a mommy and a CEO, they, they don't want the CEO at home. <laughs> And also I've worked with clients who had trouble the other way. They would keep bringing their inner children to work and, and, <laughs> and wonder why no one wants them. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, so I actually worked for a while with this one client. First, I make sure in terms of the where ego, like in center, 
what resonates? You know, what what feels like the better plan, at least for now? You don't have to have the perfect plan. That would be a self that maybe was hampering a plan because it had to be perfect. And so this client decided, said she wanted the, to keep her job because I always ask what the goal is. Like maybe the goal needs to go. Part of my book is about letting go of the goal. It's not only for type A personalities, but no, that was established. And we did a lot of work on on her very wounded, very lovely inner children, but they would go to work with her and take over and act out so much. So she really was in danger. She'd been written up a few times. Being fired was very close. Yeah. So she used this language. Um, she's, she developed a fake self. And I said, great. Part of it was a little impish. And I'm like, good. I want your fake self to be fabulous at fake. That was her way in. And what she really came to realize that this was a functional adult self who could take care of her and her little children where it was her job to do it. It was not her supervisor's job to do it. And her supervisor resented it. And so she would come in and say, you are going to be so proud of me. I was so fake today. And I said, good. <laughs> and so sometimes, as you probably know, with your work, including voice dialogue, humor is a way in because it really is often about trauma and sadness and grief. And so we honor that too. But that's why if someone wants to like make a funny name, I'm like, Let's jump in because often that means that's a little healing right there that you've opened your perspective just a bit that you can at least smile within the sadness or the fear to get bigger at your job to become the full adult. Yeah, I, I love what you said. I'm thinking to myself like we we may have what's called the functioning adult, right? You know, like if we've been in deep grief or we've been hurt or, or you know, there's there's trauma, right? There yeah. could be a part of us that steps forward to help us get through there. So in that case, um, that could be a very helpful part. Um, but I think what, what you're addressing here is when we over-identify with, I don't know if it's a wounded part or if it's it's just not the primary self. It's it's not the authentic self, right? So how do we how do we navigate that? You know, like for instance, if someone has over identified with, you know, the wounded child or whatnot, and they're bringing it to work and they're doing this, uh, how do they discover who they really are? That's a great question. So in this case, that wounded child needed, it was a way, it was a way that the client wasn't protecting the wounded child, which was repeating the behavior. Wounded children have been unprotected children. So once it was like, no, let that little wounded one, sometimes I say, imagine them with their favorite babysitter having their favorite snack and you leave them at home where they belong. So you're still connected, but then you come out and be the full adult. So we have access to our wonderful facets and that's the authentic self. It's not which way, way to be oh, I'm these three ways and that's my authentic self. No, the authenticity is having all these facets and assets and then deciding where to put them or what to focus yeah. on that day. And that's really empowering because then it's not like aiming to be an adult. You start to realize I'm gonna protect these selves. And also these selves hold your wounded story. So don't shut them up. You just hold them. Many people who have had trauma, they don't understand boundaries because they have been 
uh, assaulted yeah. within. They have not had their boundaries honored. And so it's a way to say, wait, why am I, my eight-year-old doesn't belong here. I don't, I want to protect it. And suddenly it's a way to have boundaries. I had a mentor show me how healthy boundaries work, which I love, which for the visuals, for people on YouTube. And then all she did was go like this. She went like this. This is healthy boundaries. They open and they close. There's no one way. And I've always loved that image. And you can change your mind like, oh, never mind. Oh. And so that <laughs> healthy boundaries and that image, it's like, then you, you can use which parts of you. Sometimes you need a wall and sometimes you need a demurring. Uh, here's an excuse why I have to say no. And you leave the room. And if you don't have access to both, it, you're less uh, skilled and less um, armed really is the word I want. Yes. I love that. That's really great. Let's talk a little bit about the name of your book, The Final Eighth, and um, and what what why is it? What's the difference between people that actually reach their goals and people that don't? So the final eighth came from my practice. It literally came out of my gut one day when I realized, wow, all of these talented, dedicated, hardworking people get so far and suddenly stop, and it, it, it's a thing. And I I. I didn't matter. I have lots of people in the creative industries, but it was lawyers, it was bankers, it was the creatives, and it was across the board. And I didn't understand it and either did my client. And when I explained, like I said, well, this seems like the final eighth, it came out whole. You've done so much, what's happening? And it was so much easier to deal with it because it had been identified. And they come in and say, oh, I have a final eighth issue and here's what's happening. And now we're like halfway toward figuring out the solution. And so what we came to realize is a few things. One, usually with the seven eighths, that's your primary selves, you have permission somewhere to work hard, but you don't have inner permission to achieve. So that goes back to the oh. early beliefs the parts of you that unconsciously are still attached to the core negative beliefs, which are painful. Like mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. Nothing works out. So internally it's a double bind. You're, you work really hard. These parts believe in you, did the work to get there. And then suddenly it's going to happen. And those other parts just rear their ugly heads as they say, but they're there to protect you because somehow in the early days it wasn't safe to be your full self. And so we honor that. And also I come to find out that they have a distorted loyalty to give up the core negative belief, say that nothing works out. Say your beloved parents went through a few bankruptcies and, and really they, that was their fundamental philosophy. Things don't work out. And it was, then life was hard. It almost feels like a betrayal of these early individuals that they loved internally. So a lot of our work is about dealing with those big emotions and then understanding that they were never true. It's true you made decisions as if it was true that you were worthless or things don't work out. But the fundamental truth is the, the core negative belief is false. And then that's where you bring parts of yourself to 2020. Like what's true now? And what do you want to do now? What resonates now? And you don't reject those parts that hold those early years where there was sadness. You're like, yeah, that happened. I don't have to deny it, but I don't have to now be in complete reaction to it all the time and project it out that I assume everybody feels the same way. They don't. And isn't that wonderful? 
Yeah, and I also want to explain to the listeners or uh, get some more comments from you about the actual voice dialogue um, uh, process, you know, the facilitation of that, because uh, I know people are listening and they're going, this is really good stuff, but how does this actually work? Like, how do we actually uh, talk to this part of ourselves? Is is that what we're doing, you know? Yes. Absolutely. And you reminded me every third Thursday of the month, people are welcome to come to a demonstration that my colleague Eric Potompa and I do for free. Just contact me for the Zoom info because it's always easier to see this in action. And so every month, third Thursday, um, and if you can forget, you just Google me and it'll be there, please, um, because it is easier to see. But basically, it, the book gives you a step-by-step -step guide where you go to a different section of the room. And as you know, Loretta, if, in terms of mm -hmm. Zoom, you just move over if, if, you're, <laughs> if you need to be in a screen. In the old days, you could actually go to a different chair. But you leave where you are because that helps you understand you are not holding the whole story no matter what part of yourself you're in that there's more to it than that. So you go to this to a part of the room and you embody the self, whatever that is, and you speak from the I in that way. Wanna give me an, uh, give me a self and I'll give you a quick example. Throw one at me, Loretta, anything. Uh, you, you mean like a, a self from me or just a self? Either. Like a, <laughs> uh, the businesswoman. Oh, okay. So if I, I might then go to my businesswoman and I'm moving over slightly for, for those that have the visual. Now already I can feel, I kind of did it before with the impersonal energy. So my businesswoman is very connected, but there's a, a, an impersonal. I can feel my spine holding her because I need to be available. But I also have an agenda as a businesswoman, whatever that is. Again, nothing untoward. So then I would get to know my businesswoman. And the book has a ton of questions. When did I first show up in Bridget's life? Where do I live in the body? And then we come back and physiologically and energetically, you can feel the difference. And then so, maybe so I would to go- co oh, contrast that, so sorry, we're probably on the same wavelength. To contrast that, could you do something very different like the wounded yes. child? Yes, that's just where I was going. You oh. we are so on the right, exactly. I can, I, feel, I can feel your energy shift, shift so strongly. You know, I'm that strong empath. Yeah, go ahead. I, yes, <laughs> so yeah. So the wounded child, which I'll just step into it a bit, my wounded child, because everyone has their own, how it works out, uh, really doesn't do eye contact um, and is very constricted. Um, and if someone were to come closer to me, I think I would have to go that way. Yeah. And I don't lead with my voice. If it was just me and my wounded child, I, and it's not like I'm struggling to say something. My wounded child just doesn't, I mean, I'll speak when spoken to, but, uh, and so I have questions in the book, like how you would deal with that. And then I'm, as I'm coming back to center, as I'm talking to you, for those that don't have the visual, and then here, I can feel the compassion. You don't have to aim for compassion in some spiritual shooting. It just is here. And now I can feel the difference and I can literally embrace that wounded child and also that businesswoman. And that businesswoman at my age now is a businesswoman. Maybe that 
part of me was the one that did really well in school. So sometimes we have cells for a long time, but their literal function changes, but still it's that out in the world accomplisher, which might start as a student, move into early professional stuff or whatever that is. So I always like to say roles like waitressing or being a daughter or a lawyer, don't confuse that with a self. Like you can bring any part of yourself to being a lawyer for good or for ill or, or a lover or uh, an electrician. So when we talk about selves, they can fill any role or function. I, I'm being with the fact that, you know, there are parts of ourselves that people say, oh, no, I don't like that part. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, no, that one has to shut up. That one's got to go away. Like I quite often have people come and they go, Loretta, make it go away. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> right. Do, right. Do your surgery. Get that out. <laughs> so um, is the goal then just to get these parts to communicate with us? Is it to integrate them? Is it to just be aware of them? What is what is the goal of that? I would say a little of all three. I think the process of integration is through awareness. And, and I, you can't get rid of them. So no. you can try and spend as much time as you want trying. But once you realize it, that's just, it's, it doesn't work, they're here. And that's why you need to be with them. And well, then, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go, I, I'm so sorry. Well, I'm, then, I'm so excited about what you're talking about. Go no, ahead. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no apologies, please. So then go to that self. A few things happen. That, so the self talks that the, the, the one, the great thing about voice dialogue is once you learn how to do it, you do the same technique with every single self. So it's not like you have to learn a technique with each self, anyone who's worried about that, but you, so you learn about that self. Now let's say that self, um, I don't know, the, uh, the lazy one, let's just say, I hate my lazy self. And you come back, let's say your opinion doesn't change. You still don't like that part of yourself. What I love about the voice dialogue and the final eighth process is okay, you can still not like it, but but it's with you. What can you learn from it? Because it has wisdom. And for me, one of the wisdoms of my lazy self is that if I don't slow it down sometimes, I could get sick. So even if you never fully love in that warm, fuzzy way a particular self. You're not required, but you need to understand it has wisdom. So some of our cells are not warm and fuzzy, but you need to respect their wisdom because they're out to help you, not out to get you. So, so that's what I would say. And don't ask your like five-star general that's got this massive campaign for a career that is mammoth to, to, to give you a nice warm hug and a kiss on the cheek. It's not going to. <laughs> So that's the other thing. You start to get your love in all the right places instead of all the wrong places. I think there's such a lovely, um, how do I say this? Lear learning to love yourself and per giving yourself permission or allowing yourself to have these other parts and to recognize that you are so multifaceted, yeah. right? And that what you need very possibly could be right there and whatever's blocking you um, you need to communicate with it. You need to have voice dialogue with it. Um, I also love the fact that in your book, and I'm giving you people a, another view of the cover, <laughs> the final eighth, I love this, um, that you have detailed instructions in here as to how to do it, what questions to ask. And really, I encourage everybody to get Bridget Dangle Gaspard's book and just get it now because this is the right time on planet Earth for you to be doing this work. Um, 
because many of you are right there at that final eighth, right? And you're not getting it done. You're stopped. And if I could add with COVID and all kinds of things, primary selves that really loved the office, the gym, the school, though those domains aren't available right now. And so if you take the time to go inside, maybe you'll find other parts of you that you can then bring forward, not even because you want to, but because you the world is, as you said earlier, it's changing. So it's also another way to deal with what's happening right now. Yeah. And what's coming up because COVID is a crisis. And when we go into crisis, it is our opportunity for our greatest healing work. So um, take advantage of the crisis that's here so that you don't have to have your own crisis <laughs> to make it happen. That's that's my best advice. Uh, what is uh, your last chapter talks about safe success. What is that? Practicing safe success was a great chapter to write. So I think some people stop at the final eighth because that success is gonna be more exposing and more stressful. And so one of the ways about practicing safe success is understanding like what some of your cells are telling you. So for example, I had a client who had a self that said, if she's gonna get bigger, if, then she's gonna run into alcohol issues. Now, I didn't realize she even had them, but there was gonna be more requirements for socializing. This was pre-COVID and also just the anxiety and the unknowing, which is linked with excitement. So practicing safe success is listening to these parts that then they're telling the truth. So then it becomes, well, what are you going to do? And from that self that doesn't want you to move forward because it's worried about a potential substance issue, there's no contest. Yeah. You know, being sober or being successful, I'm going to want you to be healthy. Yeah. So we're down to uh, needing to wrap up the show. And it's been so great to have you. I feel like we barely scratched the surface. <laughs> this is Bridget Dangle. Uh, Gaspard is my guest. I'm Loretta Brown. And they can find your book anywhere that they sell books. What's your website? How do they find you for the Thursday, um, third Thursday? The third of Thursday of the month. You can go to my website, thefinaleighth.com. And like you, I'm all over social media. So you can put in Final Eighth or Bridget Dangle Gaspard.